Welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock Podcast. I'm Al Sedano, and once again joining me is... Brian Zeno. And again, we are going to be talking about a Thanos book. Yes, that, that, that big, gnarly, purple dude. Yes, we will be doing Thanos, the Infinity Revelation original graphic novel, which came out this past August. Or, as I uh, decided to call it after I finished reading it, what the flims and flams and floozy are you making me read here, Al? <laughs> <laughs> we got some talking to do here. That's all I got to say. It's a nice thick hardcover. Yes, yes. It's not, and I think you'll appreciate the term, it is not a hobo killer. No, no, it is not a hobo killer or a doorstop of doom. Absolutely not. But it's not. a nice light, it, nice light weapon. See, that's true. Actually, though, I... Because it's a really shot. thick cover. I it is it is a hardcover and I read it digitally. So walking into the record here was the first time I'd actually clapped eyes on a physical copy of it, and I I had expected it to be a little thicker. I do have to say, at the thickness it is with the uh, uh, hardcover, I have to say it reminds me of nothing so much uh, as a uh, golden book. If you remember those, yes. When you were a kid. <laughs> now, was the cover that was the cover that thick though? For those? Uh, they they, they might have been some of some of them. I grew I grew up in the seventies when you know we still had some quality workmanship in your children's books. Ah. Um, so. Yeah, but like I said, it's not a killer. It's more like it's the equivalent of like a twenty-two. Right, exactly. Pistol. It's a nice light little weapon you can use to get away quickly. Exactly. It's a kneecapper. We'll call yes. it a kneecapper. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you. But yeah, so let's start off the cover of this. Uh, we have Thanos on the cover, Sne- giving us his best Billy Idol sneer. Yes, and and actually, this might be, you know, um, I don't, it's it's a combination of just the sheer attitude and um, uh, amount of disdain for the rest of creation that Thanos has and that Starlin has imbued the character with, and that um, amazing big purple scroll chin of his. But this might be the single most uh, awesome, intimidating sneer I've ever seen in a piece of comic art. It is pretty, pretty rad. <laughs> I never noticed before. Now, there has a nice, the background is all just like stars. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I didn't even realize until looking at it just now that a lot of uh, the part, like around Thanos' eyes and even under the shadow under his nose and yes. some of his cowl, it's kind of blending in with the stars. Exactly. You can sort of see the stars through those blacks, wherever there are blacks. Almost like he's becoming a part face. of it. Yeah. Which makes sense, actually, considering what happens. Considering the, what, what goes on in the story, yeah. And in the back, we have an image of Mistress Death sitting on her throne, looking as bored as you can when you're just a skeleton. Yes, exactly. She, uh, the lord of all she surveys, and, you know, I, I, I'm reminded of nothing so much as the death from uh, di- the Discworld novels, which I don't know if you ever read the Discworld that, novels. I haven't read. The, the death is, I mean, the Discworld novels are screamingly funny anyway, but death is one of the best concepts in there. And Yeah, he's been doing this a long time, and he's getting kind of bored, so he keeps, like, finding ways to pawn his uh, work off on other people. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, that's what, uh, sort of what I'm getting from this picture of death on the back cover. That and Thanos has no taste in women, because I'm sorry, if you're going to go after death, I'm going after the Vertigo version. Oh, absolutely, you're going after the Vertigo version, although it does need to be pointed out. I have seen in several of the Thanos things that I've seen, uh, I have noticed that when Thanos does finally succeed in pleasing death, as he is ever trying to do, um, she does become a somewhat attractive yes, woman. But still, so I, I can see where you would be, you know, into into that if if you're Thanos, which I suppose. <laughs> yeah, she's not bad, but I still like the. Oh no! Well, okay, yeah, no, the, the game and, goth is much right, more fun. The game and death is the death of the endless is absolutely the finest death ever created ever. But, <clears throat> Don't die. Yeah, I know. Not uh, until the end. <clears throat> Finest death ever created. That is all. And and see, she rewarded me with a visit. <laughs> a brief one. <laughs> a brief one. <laughs> she just had. She just gave you a hand on the shoulder. Said, "Ah, oh, thanks." <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but how about that? There you go. Yeah, not your time yet. It's okay. Although, for comparing deaths, I might. Have, I mean, well, not in hotness, but I might have to put enjoyableness. Norm Macdonald's version of death from Family Guy. Nuts. I don't think I have... I, I'm sure I've encountered that at some point, but I'm not uh, such a Family Guy fan that I, I recall, like, a lot of bits. Um, uh, I like him as death. He's entertaining. That's fair. That's fair. He hung out. He let Peter be death for a week because they, he, uh, Peter calls him to sprain his ankle. Now, that sounds vaguely familiar, and, I think. And then but, he leaves uh, and he says, I'll see you soon. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a frat boy as death. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, back to Thanos. So Thanos. 
the Infinity Revelation. Uh, and of course, like a regular hardcover, you got an extra page or two of yep. nothing. Although I do like, there's a nice little, I guess you could say, imprint on the inside page. Oh, the, uh, they, they call those end papers, and yes, they, that was not in my digital edition, and it's very nice, sort of uh, purple on black. Yeah, it features a, a two-page spread that comes later in the issue, uh-huh. and I like the fact, especially for this podcast, that the character you see right here, big, big and large, is, is Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock, absolutely. Yes, also in the back, too. It's the same one, unfortunately. I was hoping maybe they use the other one. Oh, this is interesting. It needs to be pointed out that in the credits, uh, of course, we got the credits written and penciled by Jim Starlin, uh, inked by Andy Smith, blah, blah, blah. It noted that the cover art is by Starlin B. Rosenberg. What does that mean? Oh, Starlin and, I think. Oh, Starlin and Rosenberg. Okay, thank you. See, that's that's what I get for looking at it on a computer screen. It looked like the and is, is, is the font like- of the and. It looks like a B. Okay, yeah. I, I take it back then. I realized when I looked down here, I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, wait, smaller, that would be a B. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair All enough right. then. Moving along. Yes, and I figure for this issue... <laughs> Shutting up now. <laughs> it might be easiest to do, like we did last time for the annual, to go kind of go through, yep. like, bit by bit. Like, this is what happened in these few pages, and then thoughts on that, and then we'll go through the next section. Fair enough. That, so we'll do discussion and uh, that works synopsis for me. in one. And there's also an introduction here by Douglas Wolk, who, who I forgot to look up. Oh, yeah, uh, he's he's an Eisner Award-winning author who has written a couple of interesting, at least one interesting book on the topic of comics, uh, Scott McCloud style. Uh, his oh, book cool. is, but uh, Wolk's book is called Reading Comics: How Graphic Novels Work and What They Mean. Sounds a little New York Timesy, like you know, where well, he writes where's about comics of, for the New York Times. Yeah, that, that I was gonna say that sounds like Scott McCloud is like a fan talking to fans. This guy sounds like he's trying. To sort of introduce the concept to the to the to the blue snoots, so mm. to speak, you know what I'm saying? The people reading the New Yorker, the, exactly, exactly. Oh, those graphic novels. Oh, I have no time for those, unless of course it is Persepolis. You know, <laughs> uh, sorry. we're going to talk about that term by the way one time, maybe in the other show. Which graphic after, novel? Oh, graphic novel. Yes. Because they're not all graphic novels. No, no, no. I agree. I agree with that. Um, ah, yeah, I know. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I but believe anyway. I'm on, completely on board with your... But anyway, uh, uh, yeah. So. Okay, stop digressing. Uh. But it, I also have to look at the pages as I, as I said that. I, I should have looked up this guy and then you say it. I go, oh, yeah, it's right at the bottom of the page. Oh, I was completely tipping that off the top of my head. Damn I didn't you for to... pulling back the green curtain. Uh. <laughs> Word of porno. Oh, no, 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 not Green Door, Green oh, cur- Curtain. Okay. Oof. Okay. I felt better. Yeah, no, right. Yeah, no, that was going to get a little up. ugly. Otherwise. I've looked in a mirror. Very yeah. Good. It started in November 2010, when one guy decided it was time to show the denizens of the internet that there was more to Superman's adventures from the 70s and early 80s than Alan Moore and Kryptonite Nevermore. Now, three and a half years later, that mission continues. This is Superman in the Bronze Age. My name is Charlie Niemeyer, and every week I shine the spotlight on this long-overlooked era on Superman in the Bronze Age. Join in the fun at www.supermaninthebronzeage.com and www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. So, anyway, we actually start the story now Mm -hmm. with nothing. Nothing. 
We the, basically got the origin of the universe, kind of. Is it the origin of the universe? Because I'll be honest with you, okay, and this is the first... I will, I will, I will break the surface of this thematic thread that will at least run through my commentary on this issue. Um, I've encountered a lot of cosmic marvel in my time, going all the way back to Doctor Strange... You know, his first encounter with Eternity back in 1966 and all that. I've skipped great wadges of it as well. So, frankly, I found myself lost at a, cer- a lot of points in this issue in terms of, like, as okay. I said earlier, what the flims and flams in is going on. Sorry. That said, um, I wasn't sure here if I was witnessing the creation of the universe or is it the creation of a universe or I wasn't sure. I actually, wasn't sure what I was looking dealing with at there. it again. Uh huh. I'm actually noticing now the way it starts is there's black. There's not sorry. There's just blank whiteness in the yes, page. Yes. And it basically says nothing. Once that was all there was or wasn't. Mm-hmm. And basically you got these two points of light and then like forming. And as they get larger, there's also a point of blackness with stars in it that gets uh-huh. larger and larger. And it becomes they they definitely by the end of the page it reminds you it it starts to evoke eyes. I'm yes. definitely getting eyes off and of that. And when you get to the next page they turn into the eyes of the living tribunal. Right. So actually I'm wondering if this isn't so much the origin of the universe. I'm wondering because there's only one living tribunal in the Marvel universe. Okay. And the, one eternity and one infinity I'm presuming. Yes and no. Okay. Sorry, I should actually I said wrong. There is one eternity and one infinity in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. There is one living tribunal in the Marvel multiverse. I gotcha. Okay. And it was each universe has its own eternity and infinity because they're the personification of... Of that universe. But the living tribunal, from what I understand, is the only one. It's basically... He's kind of like the Spectre in DC in the fact that he works directly for the big guy upstairs. Gotcha. And apparently whatever... Create yeah, all of his have. throughout the uh, this graphic novel, the Living Tribunal constantly refers cryptically to his superiors or his higher ups in a well, way. That's their way, and of I have to presume he's talking do, about a supreme yes. creator deity what, type. Being. Whatever big godlike thing is in charge, creator of the entire Marvel multiverse. Uh-huh. There's just the one, and of course, they don't make explicit. They they Example don't use of the G names. word or or any other there's type no of. There's no G. There's no J. There's no A. There's, there's no, no B. None of it. Right. None, none of, of them are used. None right. of them are mentioned. There's the one in charge of it all, and the living tribunal is like his right. His guy. His guy. His and, his factotum in in physicality, if you will. So whenever, which is weird because I don't actually think he is a physical being, but he is. But he isn't. Yeah. I don't know. He kind of looks like the uh, I forget their name. The the Quintessons from. Uh, Transformers cartoon. Uh, he has the three heads. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and he is. I like the way here uh, when he speaks. Uh, everybody else, everybody else, including Eternity and Infinity, gets uh, word balloons. Your, your typical comic book word balloons. But uh, the Living Tribunal gets these big, thick block letters, white block letters, sort of just existing over the background, like, more solid even than captions, they are just there. His 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 proclamations are so stentorian, that, and I like that. That that really does give you a sense of the gravity of this being. Yeah, that he's over even infinity and yeah. eternity. And so actually, going back to what we were saying, I think actually, now looking at this again, I don't think that's the origin of the universe. I think that's the living tribunal just coming into... Our universe from outside of it. Okay. Coming from the nothing, let's say, that would surround each universe. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how they... I could be wrong. I'm not 100% up to date on how Marvel describes like the in-between of the universes. Mm-hmm. But let's just assume there's nothing in between each one. Okay. Because otherwise it would be a universe on its own. Yes. So yeah. coming from the nothing into our universe, and that's what that is. So it's not the creation of anything. It's just the Living Tribunal coming in. That's one uh, superiority that the DC multiverse has over here because there we do have an in-between. We have the bleed. Yes. And and most of my favorite DC published comics have involved the bleed in some way, shape, or form because most of them have been written by Warren Ellis. Because he that created that. That is a completely different uh, podcast, though. When, that wasn't even, when it wasn't even DC. When it was, it was Wildstorm, right? Yeah. yeah. It was still Image. Right. But the Wildstorm universe is on the multi- multiversity map. Am I right about that? Not anymore. Oh. Well, that's, I, that's well, real quick. Because they, it's, it's, no, it's been blended in now. Oh, oh, it has. So there's not a separate Wildstorm universe. No, Stormwatch now. is part of the DC universe. Okay. Martian Manhunter was a part of it, in fact. How about uh, Planetary? 
the planetary uh, I don't, foundation. That's never been mentioned. That probably doesn't count anymore. Ah, okay. I, that, I, yeah. The thing is, I don't know if he would come to write it now. No. And, you and know, I don't want anyone else to do it's it. It's fine. No, you're right. It's a perfect little self-contained thing. It does not need to continue. But like Wildcats and all that. Or at least there yeah. hasn't been Wildcats yet. But like Rifter from the Wildcats or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Voodoo. They've had DC. They actually had two of, their, two of their, their titles in the beginning of the DC New 52. Okay. Fair so enough. they're part of it. Okay. That works. So that's what they did. They merged it all together basically. So, so anyway, back have, to this bit of as yes. you can see, as you can see, our minds are so blown by what's going on here in this graphic novel that we're kind of all over the place because it's too much for one human brain to comprehend. Yeah, so, so anyway, that's what I think it is. I think it's a living tribunal coming into reality, so it's our reality, so it's not origin of the universe, which I actually initially thought too. It's just him showing up. Right now, page three, um, you kind of get a sense of what you're in for here because. Um, Infinity says the first spoken, I guess, uh, uh, in, in, um, the living tribunal finds itself in the presence of both eternity and infinity. It's not specified which eternity and infinity this is, but in the presence of eternity and infinity. And infinity says, living tribunal, we are to prepare for ecumenical transfiguration. That right there gives you, like, lets you know what you're in for. That's everything you need to know about this graphic novel that this is going to be one big cosmic head trip yes well I'll let you know what you're in for once you go to the dictionary like i did <laughs> and look up those words and you go oh okay that is that what we're in okay so that's... just for anyone who's stupid like me <laughs> ecumenical transfiguration ecumenical general universal mm-hmm. transfiguration the art of transfiguring, mm-hmm. which pissed me off because I'm like, mm-hmm. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. No, in transfiguring, to change an outward form or appearance, transform. So, um, just just to put a little to tra- a little bit more translation, um, in 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 religious circles, we use the word ecumenical to refer to stuff that crosses borders, so to speak. Like if you were to have like uh, like um, many many years ago, I used to uh, there there's a church in New York City, and I used that I used to go to, and every Thanksgiving they hold a trialogue between uh, in which the pastor of this church uh, uh, invites a, a Jewish rabbi and a uh, Islamic imam to come and engage in a three-way discussion on matters of faith and 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 other topics uh in you know Oh wow, that's cool. Right. It, it's wonderful. It's a, it's a fabulous thing and I I went to it every year when I was living in Brooklyn and I was that church was convenient to me. But my point is that sort of service would have been referred to as ecumenical because it crossed the borders between faiths. And so my my guess here is that Starlin is using the word ecumenical to refer to crossing the borders or boundaries between realities or um, between uh, worldviews, uh, which, which you know, we're going to get into that really heavy stuff in a little bit. But my guess is that's the sense he's using the word in here. Ecumenical transfiguration. I mean, are we to prepare for multiple realities becoming real? Which, again, just lets you know what you're in for, because wrap your head around that for a minute. But. Yes. <laughs> So anyway, so uh, Eter- Living Tribunal basically confirms to Infinity that yeah. that's what's happening. As uh-huh. he says, and like in the way you said he's discussing his boss, so proclaimed the stars and their creator, Infinity. Uh-huh. He doesn't say God, Jesus, right. Buddha. He just, just says their creator. The creator. The guy in charge. The person in charge. Not even, no, no pronoun even. Not yeah. even him, her, it. Mm-hmm. And of course, Attorney's a little bitch. Attorney always seems to be a bit of a bitch. <laughs> Every time I see Attorney in a book, he's always a little bit of an ass. He's, a little he's, bit of a, he's ass. scowling, you yeah. know. And he's complaining. It's, you know, we don't have any warning. Uh, yeah. Which I love. That's so petty. It's like your Eternity. Really? You're going you're gonna to bitch at the tribunal over, like, and not having... Anytime I've read Eternity, he always seems to be have, like, a stick up his butt. Yes. He's always cranky. I which like, I guess you would, you would be if you looked... Like if 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 you yeah well anyway I was gonna make a joke about the way he's drawn but actually the way he's drawn is awesome going yes. all the way back to Steve Ditko so I'm not going to I like uh, the tribunal's answer unsolicited change always seems unexpected yes yes <laughs> it's like yeah when you weren't planning on this yeah it's unexpected yeah exactly so we're the next page now and um, Infinity is basically saying that to the tribunal that she's surprised that he whoever he is has been designed to be the uh, the center of this 
change. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that it almost looks like she's trying to flirt with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, she's got like the little head tilt and the hip out. She's and like, hey. Like, Hey, you know, you know you're gonna change stuff, but you're not gonna change me, right? And I and I like that. I like this because now, like everybody's getting their chance to be a little bitchy. Because the tribunal uh, replies, uh, "He was not my choice. My participation in decisions made concerning this matter has been strangely limited." He's like, kind of like saying, "Don't look at me. I didn't get a say." You know. So there. Now we leave them a bit, and we go to the Starship Sanctuary Six, mm-hmm. which is Thanos's giant ship. Mm-hmm. And real quick, I looked up. Earlier today, actually, mm-hmm. and from what I could tell, this takes place before the Infinity series that just came out from Marvel recently. Okay, which I actually, well, I'll get to that question a little later on. Um, that actually complicates things in my mind, as if they needed to be any more complicated, but we'll get to that. Okay. And we start off with a couple, you know, Thanos doing his monologuing thing. Okay. Although, apparently, it's Actually, not- no. He's Is he doing his monologuing thing? Because when we first see him, he's asleep and drooling. Yes. I love the drool. <laughs> I love the fact that Thanos just kind of looks like a guy, looks like Archie Bunker passed out in his easy chair. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I think it's one of those voiceover monologues like that you would get in a movie. The character can still be sleeping. It's not them what they're actually thinking. It's kind of like their thir- their own third person omniscient narrator, mm-hmm. but themselves doing it. Now, if that makes any sense, it's funny that you should refer to him as Archie Bunker because actually, and again, this sort of um, refers to this graphic novel as a whole. But when you think about it, it's funny because you have Thanos, and the word Thanos is very reminiscent of Thanatos, which is the uh, Greek uh, name for the personification of death. Yeah. And uh, he's always flirting with death. He's always wooing death. So when Thanos, you know, during his first uh, 20-some-odd years uh, as a villain in the Marvel Universe was a sort of a big existential threat, a big cosmic, a sort of walking death. He had little interest other than causing destruction and death. But, you know, over the last, you know, couple of decades, his... uh, I guess he, they, they ran out of things to do with him just as, you know, well, he's just kind of dark side-ish or whatever. So I think they decided to make him, like, a little more complicated or give him a little more depth. And and with that depth and with that, like, sort of variation in his character, so to speak, he's become less uh, of a personification of death and more of a cosmic curmudgeon, rather the Archie Bunker of creation. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no, I do too. It makes a much more interesting character to read, but it's funny, like, to, to sort of, it's nice though that, that the change has happened, and yet, I guess because Jim Starlin is, he, as he created him 40 years ago, and, and here he's handling him still, so I guess even with all the changes in his character, he's still recognizably Thanos. Yes. Now, does that mean Adam Warlock is Meathead? Oh, as far as Thanos is concerned, for sure. Uh, although I think he likes Warlock more than Bunk Archie liked Meathead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, Thanos is kind of just passed out in his easy chair, taking a nap. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently he's dreamwalking or something. Because then he all of a sudden he shows up on a ship holding the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And he's talking to Drax. But is... The, uh, and again, this this is apparently even before the uh, the Guardians reboot from 2012... No, this because, is the, the the series before because that's what they were wearing. Right, that's what I was talking that's about the, because that is uh, definitely uh, uh, Rocket uh, from the from DNA. Yeah, uh, Guardian. He's wearing like the kind of uh, they had an out they had a, like outfit set which is kind of reminiscent of what they wore in the movie at mm-hmm, the end. Mm-hmm. And they were all wearing those outfits in the DNA run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and that's another reason I'm like, oh, this must be then before Infinity, possibly even before the Thanos. Uh, oh God, what was that? There was a crossover with Thanos a few years ago. Well, I figure, is this before... This must be shortly after. And I don't really know. I didn't read it, so I only know of it from reference. But uh, this has to be shortly after Thanos, originally, was trapped in the Cancerverse. Which is... Yeah, that's the crossover. By Quill and uh, Ryder. Yeah. And at the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy series by Abner Lanning, Warlock died. Okay. So it's either depending on when that when that crossover came out, it's either in between that or like right after he comes back from the cancerverse. Okay. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Cuz I don't remember cuz at the time budget-wise I was a little short on things, so I wasn't able to finish the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I forget if I know War of Kings was a crossover there. 
And then uh, there was well, a- War of Kings was just the second uh, volume. Oh yeah, but I know of, that was uh, in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. And then there was the Thanos. Uh, I can't remember the name now. It's driving me nuts. See, the problem here is that I've only like I have read. Uh, the first two volumes of... Uh, uh, Annihilation? Uh, no, no, no. I've, um, I've actually still working my way through Annihilation. I actually haven't gotten to the Annihilation miniseries proper. I've been witnessing the Annihilation wave happening in Annihilation Silver Surfer, Annihilation Nova, Annihilation Super Scrawl, etc. So oh, I'm still working okay. my way through those, but I haven't actually um, read to the point of the actual Annihilation miniseries there. And then in addition to that, I've also read the first two collected volumes of the DNA Guardians of the Galaxy, which is up to uh, the fir- which is uh, uh, through the first half of the War of Kings, um, but not okay. the, not the conclusion of it. So as you can see here, it's like I'm missing great wadges of context for a lot of what's going on in here. But you know, and so, which might lead the 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 listener to say uh, to him or herself as they're listening to this, uh, why then, uh, Brian, are you here and talking to us about this uh, graphic novel that you uh, only marginally understood because of how little you've read of the preceding material? To which I would answer, when my friend Al summons me to podcast, I am always there to answer the call. So, And you have nothing else to do this morning. And I had nothing else to do this morning. So, so. Oh, <laughs> Thanos Imperative. Yes. That's it. That was the name. I had to look it up. So yeah, because I'm now it depends on. Mm-hmm. I think Thanos Imperative does take place after Guardians of the Galaxy ended. Okay. So I'd assume then the timeline is Guardians of the Galaxy ends and Warlock dies. Mm-hmm. Thanos Imperative and Thanos gets sent to the Castleverse. He comes back, which they're going showing right now in a few issues of the current Guardians of the Galaxy run. Mm-hmm. And this happens mm-hmm. at some point after that. And then it goes into the Infinity crossover that happened recently. Gotcha. Because at the end of the Infinity crossover, he's really in no place to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And that would also fit why Rocket is still wearing the older costume. Right. It's not wearing in the current uh, Bendis run Guardians of the Galaxy series. Not just uh, that, but also uh, not just that he's wearing the old... Uh, uh, costume? Costume, but also the, the way he talks... Um, it, when he does actually get a line, he's like, Drax, old boy, tell me. That's like almost the... You get this sense when you look back at the entire history of Rocket and Marvel Comics. You get this sense that uh, he's... During the Mantlo years, when he was originally invented, um, you definitely get the sense that he was sort of meant to be British, to talk English. Mm. And that actually carries over to uh, uh, several of his animated incarnations when yes. the Guardians of the Galaxy turned up in uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Uh, they, uh, he was British. Yes, His voice right. was British. So, and I, you get the sense that he only became the Bradley Cooper version of Rocket. Once when Bradley Cooper played him. Well, no, no. When Bendis took oh, over. Oh, okay, you're when right. When Bendis took over uh, writing the, and rebooted the series in 2012, that's when the Cooper Rocket was uh, invented. The, the deal there is that here... And I guess this is Starlin just saying, well, I'm going to let you know which version of continuity I prefer. Here, uh, with Rocket saying, Drax, old boy, you definitely get the sense it's the old Rocket. Although, to be fair, I would I actually like the idea in my head of hearing uh, the English English uh, accent Rocket. Saying, yeah. Blam, murdered you. Yeah, blam. blam, murdered you. Blam, murdered you. That's yeah, kind of fun. <laughs> actually, I'm, the way you said it just now, I'm picturing Billy Idol as the voice of Rocket. Ah, right, right, yeah. Blam, murdered you. Yeah. Hey. Okay. Which still kind of worked in with, Brett, with Bradley Cooper doing the American version of Rocket. <laughs> I, I, could, I could actually see that being the same guy, just, you know, and play with accents. Look, the guy who plays House can do it. Why can't I? Fair, a fair point. But anyway, so it looks like, I'm assuming that's the reason Thanos is sleeping. He's in dream talking, I guess, to uh, Drax. Mm-hmm. Although Drax is, appears to be awake. I like how he says to Drax, he's trying to do something new. He's like, what? He's like, we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, no. Thanos gets so many of the great lines here, you know. And and in a way, this is very much his story. So he's presented very, even though he's still, I will destroy all, I want power, and I have very little interest in anything else. You see, He's still presented as much more sympathetic. Yeah, well, character. also, he's not a wasteful guy. And he's like, look, I don't. I don't need to waste fighting you and destroying mm-hmm. your ship and getting people pissed off me and chasing me mm-hmm. and interfering with what I need to do. Exactly. Look, I'm just here to talk to you, and that's it. And, mm-hmm. you know, 
The rest, you know, if we got to kill each other at some other point, great. Right, yeah. I'm we'll, all for it. But we'll right get now, back to that. I don't have time for this BS, mm-hmm. which comes on later on when he, they fight the Annihilators. Mm-hmm. He's like, look, I don't have time for this BS. Let's just let's just get out of here and just do what we have to do. We'll fight the Silver Surfer later. Which is kind of one thing that's fun about him. He's not just like, I will kill every hero I find, and I see them and I go nuts. He's just like, <laughs> look, I don't have time for this. I, don't, I got plans. I got stuff to do. Right, exactly. He's like, I'm busy. So, can you please, you know... Um, if I need to kill you, I'll kill you. Right, but, exactly. You know, which is the one nice thing about Thanos. You can actually go up against him and not die if you're, you know... Mm-hmm. He doesn't really need to kill you, and you're like, okay, you can... Why don't you just head off the planet? Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, I'm leaving anyway, I'm so leaving. shut up. Go away. <laughs> but anyway, he talks to Drax because apparently Thanos feels there's something wrong with the universe and himself. Right. And he's talking to Drax because the two of them have died and come back a few times. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to see if yes, Drax, if he's noticed anything different, because they would obviously have the same unique perspective on life in the universe that others wouldn't, mm-hmm. who've only lived the one time. Mm-hmm. But of course, Drax is Drax, and Drax is wonderfully um, single-minded, and he just still just cares about killing Thanos. Yeah, he he really in this iteration, he's a very single-minded character. It's interesting though. Oh, he always because, has been every oh. iteration. Um, I, I, oh, I realize that, but, um, it's, it's, we, we get the first of, I mean, and we were warned in the introduction that this was going, in Douglas Wolk's introduction that this was going to happen. We get the first, uh, instance of somebody, uh, appearing in different forms. Because as Thanos talks to Drax, he'll be the, the green, um, uh, ta- uh, Drax with red tattoos that is the current iteration of Drax, the post-annihilation Drax. But then, like, without warning or explanation, in the in certain panels he will be the uh, original uh, uh, Drax of... Uh, with the, the cape and cowl. With the cape and cowl and the, and the skull brooch of uh, uh, Jim Starlin's original 1970s version. Um, so it's all very uh, uh, strange to me. And actually, bottom panel, the bottom... Panels right here, actually, uh-huh. is uh, Thanos kind of giving his, uh, what we were just talking about, Thanos, about his whole, I don't have time for this. Yeah, thing. yeah. I should have realized, Drax, that consulting you on an introspective consideration was a waste of time. You see only the goal, and have little awareness and no appreciation of the peripherals. Mm-hmm. Pity. Basically, Thanos says, I like to stop and smell the roses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, this is my plan at the end. Uh-huh. I'm going to win Mistress Death over by killing most of the people in the universe right. and making the rest of them fear me. Yeah. But you know what? And maybe it's because of the fact that the way they portrayed Thanos before, where he's achieved that goal so quickly at times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and lost it, that he's not like, and especially what happened in the annual, where he yeah, was right, so right, exactly. depressed after losing the Cosmic Cube and like ready to like just chuck it all. Yeah, yeah. That I guess maybe that's why he's like, look, I'm going to enjoy the journey. Because I have no idea what's going to happen at the end, and I might succeed, I might not, or I might succeed and then get my and then lose anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy the path on the way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if there's a little mystery and a little pondering and a little divergent path to go back and forth on for a bit and back to it, mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Which is also a good way for a writer to basically say, "This is what my character is going to do." So if somebody else uses him mm-hmm. and he does something different from that, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's inconsistent. His consistency is that he'll be inconsistent, you know? He's going to go off and go, oh, this intrigues me. I'm going to go play with this for a little bit. Well, so if if someone else wants to use him, like, in Fantastic Four, and he's doing something that doesn't seem to be related to other stuff you have Thanos doing, it's okay. It's, 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 he's become, uh, I don't want to say, almost like, it would be overstating it to say he's become a more interesting character, because in some ways, actually, this makes him, like, almost less interesting, because he doesn't really have goals anymore like you point out he's a his goal was i will win the love of uh, of mistress death who with whom i have an unrequited love with i will win the love of mistress death by acquiring power and and achieving death and destruction and blah 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 and then he's done it and it wasn't all that and a bag of chips so he's kind of like now he's just he's he's sort of like this weird stoic philosopher he just sort of like turns up places and contemplates things and everyone expects him to do something so they'll attack him and he'll fight back but in this way he's almost just like this sort of wandering philosopher of of mopiness 
it, it's it's a, it's a weird place that Thanos finds himself in of late. You know, I mean, I'm noticing both in the annual and here. It's like here here here's a panel of him just sort of with 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 one leg up on the edge of the well um, at at Mistress Death's palace uh, abode, whatever, and and he sort of. He, he's very self-assured. He's very confident. And he's very much like, yes, I, I, I fear nothing. I don't see any uh, anything that is a threat to me. But at the same time, he's just like, so I am going to contemplate these mysteries of the universe and not really do much else. <laughs> it's it, it, it's odd. Actually, do you know that? Do you know actually your description of it now makes me mm-hmm. think that Thanos is right now? What? He's Kane from Kung Fu. Yes, yes. He's the wandering monk, although obviously not as helpful or nice. Yeah, exactly. Who's just wandering around. He's walking to Earth. <laughs> oh, I guess maybe on the other hand it makes sense. He's had the Cosmic Cube. He's had the Infinity Gauntlet. Right. In the Marvel The End series, he basically was, which they reference in here at some point, mm-hmm. he basically was what the point, uh, restarted the entire universe when it ended. Mm-hmm. What else does he have to do? Right, and that's the point. It's like, now I think... In, um, a lot of people would look at this and say, well, why do they keep bringing him back? Because apparently if you want Starlin to work for you, and Marlin Marvel wants Starlin to work for you, you give him Thanos to play with, apparently. Yes. And to be fair, at the end of the series, actually, we get a re- I, I kind of feel like we get a reason why he would now start doing what he did in the Infinity mm-hmm. miniseries, which is kind of like a bit back going back to the old ver- you know, version a bit before he was all... Kung yeah. Fu like Th- Thanos and his nightmare army. Yeah, yeah. This is you know right now we still have Thanos and his post like um you know Kane um you know I'm a uh, Julius Jules from a uh, from Pulp Fiction. I'm ready to walk the earth now. Yeah, and he's a badass mother. And yeah, he is not going to be a nice guy, and he is not going to help you. He's not going to go after and start blowing shit up in any way unless you make him. Exactly, exactly. This is very much post uh, post Marvel two in one annual. Number two, Thanos. He's died, and that's sort of given him a new perspective on life. Yeah. So anyway, like Brian said, now, he finishes talking to Drax, because Drax basically just chucks a knife at him. Mm -hmm. But of course, Thanos is gone. Mm -hmm. And the knife lands in Groot. (laughs) Who is trying to figure out, what? And Thanos shows up in, like I said, the realm of death. Right. He's in her home. He apparently didn't knock. He didn't make an appointment. He just showed up. Yep. And he's looking at the uh, the cosmic well. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, the infinity well. Oh, which okay. Is, which is in summer. I'm assuming her basement. Basic, <laughs> basically, it's like a septic tank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically the cosmic septic tank. She can look in there and see all kinds of crap from all over the creation. Mm-hmm. And of mm-hmm. course, she doesn't like him showing up there, so she brings her guard dog, mm-hmm. who looks like a giant bulldog, purple bulldog creature. The Bulldog Minotaur of Death. Yes. And um, Thanos, of course, says, get out of my face and smacks him down. With, with much, with maximum prejudice. Yeah. And, uh, oh. And I like he says, thank you. I've been looking for an opportunity to try that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> very, very. Real quick, I almost forgot to mention, jumping back a page from where Thanos is uh, frying the doggy. Yes. To the page where the doggy appears. Is, is getting all up in Thanos' grill. Yeah, while Thanos is looking at the Infinity Well, we have a... Thanos looking at the Infinity Well on this page. We have uh-huh. Thanos there, kneeling into it. Right. Mistress Death showing up with right. her giant guard dog. And this green ghostly creature standing next yeah, to him. Yeah, this dude. And at first I was like, is that the Silver Surfer? And then I realized, no. And then I thought, is this another sort of minion or attendant of death? And then later on I realized, no. But you're right. It's funny that he's just sort of there. Yeah, we. I didn't even realize he was there the first time until like a page or two later mm-hmm. when death mentions him. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that in a second. He's just kind of observing yeah. what's going on. So Thanos smacks down the puppy. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Talks to death and basically says, you know, you've rejected me, so I don't give a damn about you anymore. Mm-hmm. So you tell me to do stuff that's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm not Just, your bitch anymore. Yeah. Stay out of my way. Let me do what I need to do with this Infinity Well because he's trying to figure out what this imbalance is he's feeling in himself and the universe. And then I'm out of here. Okay. You know, but I'm not leaving until I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on the one hand you can get his point, on the other hand it's kind of like creepy ex-boyfriend who's like, "Look, I still I'm still using your stuff." Yeah, but 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 I'm not going to answer I'm not going to jump when you say jump. So, ha. Huh. And then all of a sudden, which to Thanos' shock, death talks to him. Because uh-huh. 90% of the time she talks to him through an intermediary. Yeah. One of her servants talks for her. You don't even see her speak. I just have to assume she telepathically 
and tells it what to say. And that's nice, actually, because uh, it, it, you get, you get like, he's being Thanos. You get this two-page spread of him with the gritted teeth and the eyes sparking. And, you know, he's basically being that whole... You know, when, when Thanos threatens you, he gets a certain look on his face. And you've seen it over and over and over again. You would be wise not to cross me. I am Thanos. Arr. You know, and he gets this... Arr. And then... She speaks to him, and you get this great reaction shot of Thanos kind of like, huh? But, but, huh? Yeah, <laughs> completely <laughs> flabbergasted. Is, right, that, and it's just such a complete 180, but it's, like, it's great because that's a real insight into, A, how much of a bluff, in a way, like some of his bluster actually is, yes. and B, what his relationship with death really is all about. But yeah, she tells him that basically her control over him has mostly been, a, you know, an illusion. Mm-hmm. She, she really doesn't have much control over him as he thinks she does. Yep. I like this. You have always, you have forever been outside the astral norm. Life and death were never intended to hold sway over you. And once again, of course, she tells him that you are a key player in something cosmic that's going on. Yes. And uh, she tells him, I can't tell you what your role is here, but you can use the well to figure out what you need. Mm-hmm. And then she points at the... Uh, the green ghost right. that we mentioned, who's just been hanging out. And like I said, we were saying, when I first read it, I thought he just was some death spirit or whatever, servant mm-hmm. of hers that just was there. Right. And she says, take this one with you when yeah. you leave. I love it. I love that. When you depart, please take this one with you. It's like kind of like, you know, and while you're at it, would you get this guy out of my house, please? I love that. <laughs> yeah. Like you, he does not belong here. And I like these two panels on the bottom where Thanos is just looking at him saying, another reject? And then he... The comprehension of his yeah. face is, oh, I did not recognize you And before. he's grinning. He's yes. smiling. And, he says, I didn't and at that point, I knew who it was strictly because the only reason I'm reading this well, yeah. is because Al said, hey, I would like you to guest on my Thanos the Infinity Revelation episode of my podcast. Will you? Uh, would you like to? And I said, sure. And so I got it and I read it. And at that point, I'm thinking, oh, Thanos recognizes him. He's in the realm of death. And so he's going to be a character, and Al asked me to do this for his podcast. Therefore, at that point, all the pieces fell into place, and I knew exactly who this green ghostly figure was. Plus, it's the cl- it's this is kind of Thanos almost looking happy. Yes. Like, oh, cool, you. I can deal with you. Yeah. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really look very happy, mm-hmm. but if you put in the context of it's Thanos, mm-hmm. that's kind of happy. Yeah. Yeah, no, for him, right, exactly. I mean, not beyond, you know, when you see Thanos killing lots of things and enjoying that. Mm-hmm. That's his, that's his happy face, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you are right. So anyway, he, so he looks in the well. Now he's being left alone, and apparently he's given some kind of a vision of some kind of alien characters. But mm-hmm. even to him, they're alien characters. Yeah. So yep. some strange writing and a box and an ornately carved box. And he sees that in the Infinity Well. He goes to the Infinity Well for answers. Answers to what? Now, see, this is already... This is part of my problem with the proceedings of how this is all going forward. Because at this point, we've, from my point of view, you've just got Thanos stomping around, interacting with people. But really, I'm not sure what the plot is. He comes to the Infinity Well for answers... But I'm not 100% sure answers to what. I know that we're like, well, he feels he feels like something's wrong. But really, that 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 is the motivation. Like, we're getting a whole, like, you know, graphic novel and, and all of this, you know, like, cosmic universe-shaking events because, you know, Thanos um, is, is, is bummed. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure, like... It, at this point in the reading of the of the of the graphic novel, I'm having trouble maintaining the thread, so to speak. My best way of guessing it is that he's sensing whatever it is that infinity and eternity and the mm-hmm. tribunal are talking about. Mm-hmm. This ecumen- ecumenical transfiguration mm-hmm. is obviously starting, and that's my that was my guess. Yes, uh, well, and and death hints as much to Thanos. Something big is happening. You're at the but obviously she wasn't it. there beforehand for him to show right. up. That you're trying to figure out like what's the A point for Thanos? Where you know we're you know we're on our way from A to B, but where was A? Right. Like you're trying to figure out where where was A? I can understand that problem. Um, but I'm just I'm just saying like like in terms of how the narrative is progressing, we're we're, we're basing a lot of. Um, 
forward momentum on on what could for all we know later on in the issue uh, uh Thanos admits straight up that he is still tempted by the occasional steak. So and now I'm reminded of uh, Ebenezer Scrooge's line. I was just thinking of that. I was thinking of an undigested bit of beef. You know, (laughs) it's like he's got a little bit of indigestion. Something ain't right with his with his tummy, and so we're getting all that. Like, that's the point. Thanos is so regular. That when something is wrong, something must be really, really wrong. wrong. When he gets an upset stomach, well, now we're because he's not Spider-Man. I mean, right. Spider-Man's a neurotic mess. Spider-Man probably has like IBS. Yeah, <laughs> and like you know, because he's all he has so many issues. Yeah, that yep. he is nowhere near regular. Exactly. You know. Exactly. You know, he's going from eating nothing because he's always broke to all of a sudden gorging on wheat cakes. Yes, wheat cakes. <laughs> okay, so there's got to be stuff going on. That stomach probably gurgles all the time. Thanos is very regular. If something goes wrong all of a sudden with him. He's like, I normally have four stools in the day. There is three point seven five. Something, something is, is wrong with the universe, and I must find answers. Let me go gaze into the infinity well for my answers. Because he's a bit of an egotistical, self-important guy. But exactly. uh, to be fair, half the time he's right. Up, he's right about the fact that he should be an egotistical, self-centered guy. Well, no, right, he's like, right. He's like, I am a cosmic being, and I'm you know a key player in many cosmic events. And that's not just me whistling Dixie, because I keep getting told that by death and eternity, infinity. So you know, I kind of believe it. Yeah, etc. Etc. I'm kind et of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I'm kind of a big deal. And I will admit, sometimes start. This is a trope that Starlin does do. Sometimes he mm-hmm. kind of starts from a bit of a vagueness point mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. go on, and that happens a lot more. You know, all of his stuff has a bit of a metaphysical. Uh, well, right, and that's like self, you know meta- metaphysical self uh, looking into yourself type of quality. But sometimes there, but half the time there's a very Real and present reason. Ultimately. Like when Warlock was fight, fighting the Universal Church, Church of Truth when we first meet the Magus. Right. There's a very real thing going on that causes it. And sometimes it's just kind of, uh, as they call it, cosmic navel gazing. Right. And, but in a way, it's, it's, I, for all that I'm, I'm, I am currently and will continue, of course, to give this sort of, you know, um, navel gazing, as you call it, the business, because it is kind of weird, especially in this day and age. It's nice that we still have at least Starlin. I mean, back in the early 70s, you, Starlin was one of this group of new writers at, uh, Marvel, uh, with, uh, Steve Englehart and Al Milgram and the late Steve Gerber, mm-hmm. you know, um, who were, they were trippy. They were like, they were coming out of, they were coming out of the 60s and the early 70s with the mind expansion and they were, introducing a lot of the concepts that we now think of as core concepts of the cosmic marvel. Yes. And and the fact is now Gerber is no longer with us. Uh, um Engelhart and Milgram have moved on to other things, I suppose. And I guess the point I'm making is it's nice that even here in the year 2014, 40 years down the line, we've still got at least Starlin given us this this trippy uh headspace kind of stuff because yes. not he's everyone still, does he's still giving us a, giving us a business mm-hmm. depending on you know depending on how you like whether you like it or not that depends on which version of giving us the business you you're, 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 you're talking about exactly it works yeah. either way you like it great you're getting the business and if you don't like it he's giving you the business exactly exactly so and so we're back to thanos at the infinity well seeing the alien characters in the ornately carved box and yes. uh, he decides um, the the mystic and the cosmic both have the annoying habit of speaking in a cryptic language all their own. So he figures. Yeah, because he's trying to figure out now what this means. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's characters in this box mean something to what I'm looking into. I just don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. So he goes back home. And like I said, no, this makes he me kind of reincarnates. He was kind of pulling one of those Doctor Strange astral body out of that's, body experience yeah, kind of deals. That's why he wasn't so much sleep when we said he was sleeping. I don't mm-hmm. think really so much sleeping as in astral form gone because you see his eyes actually are dark, and then all of a sudden the pink light that indicates his he's like awake with his uh, ghostly friend. Mm-hmm. And and, like, and he doesn't seem that like it's funny because he was like pleased to recognize him earlier, but then he gets up and he's like, "Oh, you managed." He he looks a little upset that uh, the green ghostly dude managed to well, yeah, get the, your ride the back. The grit on his the gritty look there does kind of go a little bit against what he says there because the first thing he says is, "I welcome you return to the land of the breathing, consuming, and fearing the inevitable cessation of these activities." Yeah, I like that actually. So he's like, "I welcome you back." 
Yeah. You're going to finish Come Back on Your Own because I don't have time for the, your crap either. But just, you know, come back. He was, he, he's just being such a complete, he's like, you know, he's literally like, look, I didn't ask for you. I feel no obligation whatsoever to help you. So coming back to the land of the living, that's on you, buddy. Look, dude, you're welcome to come over. Yeah. Hang out. But you got to find your way in yourself. You got to get your own ride. Yeah, okay? exactly. I don't have time to come pick your ass up and drive you back exactly. and forth. Exactly. I ain't your chauffeur. So Thanos is basically um, saying, "I got other stuff to deal with," and starts looking up these num these. Uh, he gets his uh, onboard computer on the uh, what's the name of the of the, of the ship? Sanctuary Six. Sanctuary Six. He gets the onboard computer on the Sanctuary Six to uh, very conveniently do an instant download and translation of the alien characters, and they come up as a bunch of numbers. And he a also gets a beer. Thirty-five-digit answer. He also gets a beer. And he also gets a beer. Which I love. He's drinking like an ale out of a tankard. That's like so like that's not what I all at all I expected of him. But okay, you know. Yes. But then and finally and and this I think is a good last page for us given what uh, the the podcast that we're doing this on. Yes. Um, there is a there is a flash from off camera and 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 he doesn't even like bat an eye. He's like what? No cocoon this time. He's just like he's just. And and then lying there on the floor is who else but... I salute your triumphant return to life, mm-hmm. Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock. Which kind of fits that he has the beer in his hand. Yes, exactly. He sort of toasts him, if you will. <laughs> and I love that. We'll end on this love- page. Yeah, he's Adam's pass out on the floor, and the little computer droid is there. Sir, is medical assistance required? <laughs> no, and he says no, but in form maintenance, this deck will require resurfacing. It's like he still cares about details like that. And that's <laughs> what makes Thanos an entertaining character... To read, because for all that he's consumed with, like, the quest for power and the quest for a uh, 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 large-scale destruction, bloody 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 at the same time, he, like, cares about the state of his deck flooring. Yeah. He's like, look, this is my stuff. Yeah. If it's going to get blown up because I'm fighting stuff, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my friend just comes in and doesn't want to wipe his feet. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Now, I do have to ask you, this this Adam that's lying on the floor, that is an incarnate, like, obviously the golden skin, the blonde hair, you know, this is, it's obviously Adam Warlock, but that's a costume I haven't seen before. I, what is that costume signifying? I think that was the costume he was wearing around the time of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Because okay, I don't think he possible. was really wearing the uniform the others were. No, 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 he wasn't. He was definitely in some iteration of red and black. I just didn't yes, remember the exact... and this is a red uh, and black costume. It kind of have like a lightning motif coming off of... Mm-hmm. Red lightning coming off the shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then red gloves and some like red on the boots. And a little red sash in the middle. Like, com- you know, kind of swaying in the breeze between his legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what he's wearing. And mm-hmm. that's where we're going to stop for now. And hopefully next time we will be able to finish off this book because... We only got in the beginning of it, but I think there's a lot of preamble to do. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll be able to get into more of it next time because there'll be less preamble and more just jumping into the story. Exactly. Let's see. There's yeah, it's kind of it's mostly the costume. Yeah, the costume. Yeah, with the lightning bolts down the sides. Yeah, that is it pretty much. I can say that. Okay. okay. Greetings, podcast listener. Do you like ready to form Voltron? Or maybe. <laughs> How about... I am Batman! Or... This is a job for Superman! Do you remember... Power Rangers! Or this? Right away, Michael. Or maybe even this? Autobots! Transform! (laughs) Or this? By the power of Grayskull! Or... For the honor of Grayskull! Or have you seen the latest episode of... Hello. I'm the Doctor. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then check out Charlie's GeekCast, hosted by me, Charlie Niemeyer. Charlie's GeekCast is a bi-weekly podcast covering comics and other geek stuff. The first episode of each month is devoted to comics, where, currently, I'm covering Grant Morrison's run on JLA, one storyline at a time. The other episode of the month is devoted to whatever else I want to talk about, such as movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, and more. Feel free to check it out at www.charliesgeekcast.com. You'll be glad you did. Well, hopefully.
So now next time we'll deal with some of the other things that we do in the show as well once we finish, like Adam's friends and all that stuff, where other people, you know, they are. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry mm-hmm. about this time. Okay. And obviously there's no Adam's powers because we Adam's power right now is just it's coming back to life. Within lying on the floor and basically making a gigantic scar in uh, Mr. Thanos' deck pads. Yeah, and he's done that before and things ready, so we don't have to worry about that. Exactly. Wise. I do have an email to read. Oh, okay. So let me open up the email. Do-do-do. Okay, now... This email is from James T. Okay. Entered has the podcast entered the cocoon. Uh-huh. And this came out June. He sent it to me June twenty seventh. Oh I'm all my. Behind in emails. I'm basically being lazy and only reading one thing at a time, so that way I have one to read in each episode. Which episode. really kind of answers your question there, James T. Doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> to Al, official historian of him. It's the end of June, and I'm wondering if the podcast is currently regenerating inside the cocoon. Will it soon rise again, better than ever? What sort of new powers will it have? Has it maybe turned into a Megas podcast about me knowing? Ooh, awesome Ooh. idea. <laughs> no, have gone evil. No, I must not think such things. Alas, I'll be waiting with bated breath for the next resurrection, Mr. Cosmic. Which is an awesome name. <laughs> so, no, Mr. Cosmic, the show is not gone. The show is still happening. And I if, hope so, otherwise we're oh. talking to ourselves here. And in fact, if I can get... No, I can't get on the iTunes. I think... In fact, I had an episode release on, like, the 28th or 29th of June. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember back. I think in June, I was doing a lot of stuff at the time, and it was just basically starting to feel like a chore to get through everything. Yeah. So I needed to take, like, a week off and basically just enjoy comics for fun or mm-hmm. do other things and not worry about getting notes done and editing and scheduling because I want this to be something I enjoy doing and it's fun and not a chore mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. has to be done and I have to do this. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a little bit of delay in episodes coming out, but there were there was another episode in June, I believe, mm-hmm. and obviously July and August. Mm-hmm. And here we are, in as we record this, it is still September 2014. Yes, unfortunately, this will be the only episode for this month of September. Okay, I was hoping to be able to do two this month still, but I think I have a good excuse. I, you sure do. I'm not giving what it is, but... Uh, oh, it doesn't matter. Okay, well, you, you, our buddy Al got married. Yeah, so that kind of, you know killed half this month and a bit of the end of august for me for mm-hmm. podcasting because apparently there's a lot of stuff involved in getting in a wedding yes even if you're not the even if you're not the bride running around like a maniac planning every detail <laughs> apparently you still are required to be involved in the process in some who way in shape who form. knew yeah people ask me questions and you know i have all this time i have to spend time saying i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know what what cake we have cake there's cake <laughs> what so this will be the only one for this month. Mm-hmm. We will be back to two episodes in next month in October. And we will also be back next month with uh, part two of this one. Yes. But until so then... So keep, keep, keep listening for it with bated breath. And clean that bated breath. It's going to yes. stink. And until then, though, Brian, where can people find you if they want to hear you in between? In between, if you're just aching for the sound of my voice, I am uh, all over the Podwitz Podcast Network at podwitz.com. I do the Podwitz Podcast uh, once a week. Uh, we also have uh, a Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos podcast that comes out every other Monday. It's called Wahoo, and that one can be found at furycast.podwits.com. And also, Al and I also do the Four Color Fanboys uh, sort of podcast, sort of a general interest comic book podcast. And that comes out once a month, and you can find that at fourcolor.podwits.com. So, yeah, if you want to hear me jaw about stuff, there's no shortage of places to do that. And if anyone else wants to send an email in here, mm-hmm. like James T., Mr. Cosmic, you can mm-hmm. send it to resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. You can also check out the show's Tumblr page at resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. And I also even have a Facebook page now. Ooh. So I don't actually remember the exact name of the page on there, but just go into Facebook in the little box for searching. Just type in Resurrections Adam Warlock Podcast, and it'll show up. And you'll find it easily. And that's it. And we'll be back in a little while with more Adam Warlock coming back to life again in yes. the current Marvel Universe. Yes. Ooh. This is the first time we've had that. I mean, we had bits of Adam in recent Marvel Universe in mm-hmm. the uh, Thanos Annual. Yeah. But he really doesn't do much. Right. He's just kind of there. This is actually Adam Warlock in a 
current. Mostly sense. current. Yeah. Within the last five years of Marvel. So yeah, he's barely going to recognize the place. This is exciting because this is a new for us. Yes. Usually we're used to Adam just barely being in a book in the 60s. Now mm-hmm. he's barely in a book in the 2000s. <laughs> it's a whole new ball game, baby. Exactly. The more things change, the more they stay the same. All right. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you guys soon. Goodbye. Bye. Excellent. Excellent. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock podcast, is a fan-made production and makes no claim of ownership over any characters or situations discussed in this episode. In fact, who wants ownership over Thanos? That sounds too dangerous. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at pizzaproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. finish coming back on your own right exactly he's like what happened is... yeah 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 that that just means the internet is no 1154 oh 1154 okay so do you want to uh i'm saying how much more time do you have before um, I have to cut probably off? about five five ish minutes but uh if you want to uh well I, just, I don't want to make it late no i'm not gonna be late I, that's not that's not a worry you know it's just we just okay let's finish for another minute and then we'll okay, do closing another up. minute okay because i want to read good. an email real quick then okay sounds good oh man was i was i wishing i had uh Man, was I wishing I was with you the other day. I read volume two. I've been reading the uh, the 2005... <laughs> bless you. Thank reading you. the 2005 Supergirl series. Oh, okay. Um, volume one was uh, Identity, and that was all the Jeff Loeb stuff, which was fine. It was groovy. I was enjoying it. Okay, And then yeah. apparently ish, uh, volume two, Candor, or Candor, whatever, like apparently it was all this one year later crap that was tied in with Infinity Crisis and I didn't know what the going on. Honestly, I really didn't read. Mu- I didn't read much of that run of Supergirl uh-huh. until Sterling Gates and Jamal Igel took over. Okay, because I read some of the early ones. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like her. She yeah. was kind of a whiny bitch. Yeah, she's she's really kind of like ah, I don't know who I am and blah blah blah. I'm just kind of you know reading it. I'm digging the art and I'm yeah. digging the. When you the, get to those issues, but, you know, she's a much more likable character. Okay, an okay. enjoyable character, much more. And I well, really thought it was really it was like one of the top runs for the character. I'll keep at it. The main reason I want to read the whole run is basically so that I can get from here into if there's any context I need. I want to get into the ultimately. I want to get into the uh, uh, Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes run that Mark Wade wrote. Yes. See, but in order to ease into that, I feel like I need to get the context and read, especially since I'm so unfamiliar with the DC universe and all that stuff. Well, so I figure things. I'm trying to. I know that's the one year later as well. Yeah, and in fact, it was. Um, I believe what it is continuity wise is she goes into the future first because she appeared in like three places one year later. Yeah, and I think it it's in the future first, and then she comes back to the present time, and then that stuff happens. Um, just, you know, for the issues, because there's like a year or so of the Legion title that mm-hmm. Mark Wade and Barry Kitson did before Supergirl joined in. Right, right. And I, and I'm, I'm in the process of trying to get and my hands on that. that's the new, that's what they call a three boot. Okay. Like the third reboot of it. Okay. And it has nothing to do with any other stuff. Good. Pretty much. Good. Then I, I, I think there's one issue where they kind of like make a little like, oh, there's other universes out there. Maybe other people, you know, like people talk about stories about maybe things they heard about the Legion, but it's not true. And it's like versions of other characters. But beyond that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing involving them, and you don't really need to know who they are. Fair enough. You know, all you need to know is, oh, there were other versions of Legion. This was a character there. Good. Self-contained, written by Mark Wade, art by Barry Kitson. I'm in. Yeah, unfortunately, in. they. I was just listening to interviews with them about mm-hmm. it, because they got kind of shafted a bit, because they were told, this is the new version of Legion, this is all yours, and this is your version yeah, of Legion. Well. And then 
like a year, less than a year into it, they came out with the Lightning Saga in mm-hmm. JLA and JSA, mm-hmm. which featured the return of the original version of the Legion. And it's like, uh, what? Who is this? Sounds like the whole John Byrne and the Hulk saga back from the 80s. Yeah. Where shooters promised him, go, do what you want. And then, like, a, a couple of months later, no, no, you can't do anything that you want. And so both him and uh, the guy who was uh, uh, editing it at the time, might have been Denny O'Neill, but I'm not sure. But anyway, both of them yeah. just up and up and left. I, yeah, so. or like if they, well, this is not actually what happened, but close. When Mark Wade was first on Captain America and uh-huh. then left when they did Heroes Were Born. Okay, yeah. If they had just left, no, oh, no, you're doing Captain America. You're doing mm-hmm. Captain America. And all of a sudden, not, you know, they did Onslaught and had Rob Liefeld take over, do a new version of Captain America. Yeah. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> Oh, What's God. This? But oh, yet again, again Mark Wade, though. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> anyway, we are never going to get. <laughs> we're never going to get this done if we keep it. Okay. Yeah. 